But when I was in the fourth grade, I was at my house one Saturday morning minding my own business. You have to remember now, because of my age, and I was in the fourth grade, this was a time before there was VCRs, and that's hard to believe, I'm really old, DVD, some of you are like, what's a VCR, what is that? VCRs, DVDs, no recording devices for TV shows, there was no internet, there was no way that you could watch whatever you wanted to watch whenever you wanted to watch it. So when something was on TV, you had to be there. And Saturday morning, if you were a kid, was the morning to watch what? So I'm not alone. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that was it. I mean, Saturday morning was cartoon day. I mean, you've been in school all week. You look forward to Saturday morning just hanging out at home in your living room watching cartoons. And then, of course, you know, they do cartoons that lead you from one week to the next. Certain episodes leave you hanging. Well, anyway, so that was what I was looking forward to when there was a knock at the door. And my dad answered the door, and I heard him say, Mark, it's for you. And I thought, what? So when I came to the door, I was surprised to see there was a girl standing there for my fourth grade class. I really hardly even knew her, and being a typical fourth grade boy at that time, I had no interest in girls other than pestering them and teasing them. But she told me that she had walked to my house because she didn't have anything to do and she was bored and she wanted to play. And I thought to myself, and why did you choose me? <laughs> I didn't say anything. So dad and mom sensed my apprehension and they encouraged me to go on outside and play. Her name was Cindy. Go outside and play with Cindy. So again, I go outside and I'm like, what do you want to do? I was like, do you want to play army? No. I, I, I got wiffle ball. Do you want to play wiffle? No. I got some comic books. Let's play tag. And I thought, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. We're in the fourth grade, for goodness sakes. And as soon as she said it, she smacked me on the arm and she took off running. So I'm like, okay, it's on, I guess. This is what I got to do. So I started chasing her through the front yard, and she ran around the front yard, ran around the house. We had a fairly decent-sized yard. She went into the backyard. And as she went into the backyard, our property at that time where we lived, um, there was a, a house next to us that was kind of on a little bit of a hillside. So there was this drainage ditch between our property and our neighbor's property. And apparently our neighbor had a septic system that didn't work very good. And so that septic system would leak into that drainage ditch. So it was like black and stagnant and it stunk. Um, it didn't all the time, but on this particular day it did. <laughs> and she made a somewhat fatal mistake. She ran a little too close to the drainage ditch and I saw my opportunity. <laughs> yeah, you're already there with me, aren't you? So I'm like, I'm gonna tag her all right. <laughs> I tagged her just a little bit too hard, accidentally, of course, and I pushed her into the drainage ditch. And when she hit, it went all over her shoulder, her jeans. And for one split second, I felt so satisfied. <laughs> but it was only a split second. Because as soon as she looked up at me, I saw the pain and the hurt in her eyes. And then she began to scream and cry. 
And then it got even worse when she got up, she made a beeline to our front door. And she knocked on the door and Mark pushed me into the sewer. And uh, my quiet Saturday morning was over. Uh, didn't get to watch cartoons probably for a month, I don't remember. But of course, my parents appropriately punished me. They encouraged me to apologize to her, which I did. But you know what? Honestly, I, I can't remember ever talking to her again after that. I, I wonder why. Um, and I share that story with you just to let you know, and there's many things that I've done since that time that were not good either. But Mark Twain had this saying, and I'm not quoting it verbatim, but basically he said, we're all like the moon. We all have a dark side. And that day, that dark side took over in, in those moments in my life. And like I said, though, I had a, a moment of satisfaction and anger and all that, the regret that I felt after that and knew that it wasn't a good choice, I, I had to carry that with me for a while. But I want you to stop and think for a moment as I begin this message, like even in your own life, what is it in your life that's kind of like a dark side? Things that you've done or something that you've done in the past or maybe even you're involved in now that somehow deep down inside you know that it's just there's something just not quite right about it but you don't really want to talk about it you want to kind of keep it in the dark and the truth is we've all got that we've all got a dark side and um it's why the scripture tells us that we may call it the human nature but god identifies it as the sin nature it's this bent that we have within us that tends to want to go away from God and the things that God wants us to do, the very one that created us, and we kind of want to do our own thing. You know, we sang about freedom this morning. There's freedom in Jesus, but the freedom we have in Jesus is not a freedom to just do whatever we want to do when we want to do it. It's actually talking about a freedom from the guilt and this darkness, this dark side that we all have within us that we battle against in one way or another and you know we try to cover up that dark side we try to do it by doing good things and there's nothing wrong with doing good things it's good to do good things but it doesn't really make that dark side go away it can kind of help us deal with it for a moment but that dark side is always still there it's kind of like, have you ever, uh, I'm sure most of you, if, you, if you've eaten apples or picked up an apple, there's times when you see apples in a, a basket or something and, or in a bag or whatever, and you, it looks good and you pick it up and then you turn it over and on the back side it started to rot and there's a, there's a bad place in it. Well, give it enough time and we all know the good of the apple is not going to overcome the rottenness, will it? The good doesn't overtake the bad. The bad will eventually overtake the good. The rottenness, the corruption spreads. And that is exactly what we see with quote-unquote human nature. We want to do the right thing. We can try to do the right thing, but there's still a corruption there. There's a rottenness, and we need help with that. It's why the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, 
a lot of people have quoted that verse for leadership, and it does have leadership applications because if you're going to do something in your own life, you need to have a vision for the future and the direction you want to go. It's that way for organizations. There needs to be a vision. If you don't have a vision, then everybody just kind of wonders and does their own thing, and there's no direction, and ultimately we perish or you're unsuccessful, however you want to interpret that. But the reality of what that word is saying when you look at the original Hebrew, and I'm no Hebrew scholar, but I can study a little bit about the scriptures and about the Hebrew language in which this was written in. And the vision that is spoken here in the original Hebrew language is hazun, and it refers to a vision or revelation that comes directly from God. So a better translation of this would be where there is no revelation from God, where there is no word of God being spoken that we can get direction from, we're going to perish. And that word uh, perish in Hebrew is para, and really what it means is we tend to start letting go of things. We tend to start casting off restraint because we're like, well, we've got no word from God, and so we're going to just set our own direction. So we, we cast off the restraints of God's word, and we cast off the restraints of what is, makes us uncomfortable at the time, and we just go with whatever makes us feel good or whatever seems good at the time. But eventually, we suffer the consequences of it. Sometimes it takes a while to recognize those consequences. I really enjoy riding roller coasters. I'm getting to the age now where I can't enjoy them quite as much. I got a few issues with my neck and stuff. I still like to ride them. Have to be a little more choosy now in which ones I ride. But I used to love when I was doing youth ministry, taking the kids to Cedar Point for one of our activities. I know Pastor Adam has done that over the years and Pastor Eric when he was doing youth ministry. It's just kind of a staple of youth pastors when you do trips. But Cedar Point is one of those places that we like to go. And I know there's a couple of those roller coasters that I really enjoy. The Raptor was one of them in particular uh, that I like. The Corkscrew, that's a good one too. So literally, you know, you go upside down. Those are really fun to ride, but I wouldn't want to ride it without any kind of restraints. I wouldn't want to get on those roller coasters and ride it without some kind of a seat belt or a bar that comes down on my hips and something that comes over my shoulders to help keep me in while I'm having a good time going through all those twists and turns and going upside down. If I took those restraints off, I would only enjoy it for a short time, and as soon as it went upside down, out I go. We know actually there's been some people that have died on those rides, even with the restraints, but somehow the restraint didn't hold them well enough. The restraints are not meant to hinder us. They're meant to protect us, and they're meant for our good. And this is the way it is with God's word and his principles to live by. It's not that he is intending to withhold good from us. In fact, it's the opposite. He wants the best for us. And so he presents good restraints that are good for our lives individually and for a society as a whole. But our culture, unfortunately, more and more and more are becoming like the people in this verse where there is no vision from God. The people cast off restraint. What we're seeing in our culture today in America is more and more and more. It started probably even before I was born, but in my lifetime, from the time I was born to the time I am now, just in that short span of time, I have seen in my own life how more and more our culture is casting off the Word of God. There is no vision from God anymore because we've cast it aside. We've taken the Ten Commandments out of our public places, we, and we've replaced it with sensitivity training. 
and we've re- replaced it with our own set of things that the culture says is valuable because we're not good people and you're not good people because you're racist and you're not good people because you're afraid of people's sexuality and you're not good people because of this and that. And we've taken the Ten Commandments that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, have no other gods, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't lie. Sounds like a pretty good culture to me. I don't really want to live in a culture where everybody lies and everybody cheats on everybody and everybody steals. To me, those restraints don't seem like bad restraints. They seem like healthy restraints for society. But we've cast all that aside, and we've replaced it with our own set of rules. And we think we're free, and we're becoming enslaved and ensnared. Skydivers, they love the freedom of free falling, feeling like they're flying, but there's not a one of them that doesn't at some point appreciate the restraints they have of that parachute and the straps around them. Imagine if while they're falling through the air, they're like, this feels pretty good. I think, you know, this is kind of tight. I'm going to loosen these straps a little bit. And they loosen the restraints, and all of a sudden the parachute flies off of them, and uh uh-oh, now there's not a good outcome. And as I look at our culture, it makes me sad Because as I see our culture casting off these restraints, we know what the outcome is going to be, and it is not going to be good. We're not the first culture that is going through these types of things. It's at a much accelerated rate, but everything that we deal with in our culture is things that cultures have dealt with for years. Why? Because we all have a dark side. And it's not unique to any one of us. We've rejected God's word in many of our courts. We've rejected God's word from being allowed to be taught or spoken in public schools, colleges, and universities. And we've replaced it, as I say, with other sets of rules and demands. We've rejected God's word in many forms of decision-making in our federal government. Many companies have rejected God's word from being spoken. There are documented case after case after case that you will not hear on the news. But if you do a little research, you'll find out many people have lost their jobs, been fired from a company simply because they spoke about what Jesus says and what the Bible says about marriage or about other issues in life. And they're told, shut up or you lose your job. And many of them have said, well, I'm going to speak the truth. And they're like, you're out of here. So again, our culture more and more just in my lifetime has changed so much because it didn't used to be that way. But we're casting off the restraint of the vision of God, the word of God that's given to us, and we're reaping the results of it. And once that restraint of the word of God is removed from our lives, those in power will begin to try to replace it with their own form of restraints on all of us. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 22 through 23 says this, The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die led astray by their own great folly. There's other passages in the Bible that talk about this. In Romans chapter 1, it talks about societies and cultures that get to a point where they think they are so wise and so smart because they've rejected the one who created them, and they think they're becoming enlightened and they know so much more because now they're free from all these restraints that God has put on them 
And the scripture says, proclaiming themselves to be wise, they became fools because they've rejected the very truth of the one who created them. And then they wonder why they feel lost and why they're going through all kinds of problems. This is the effect of the dark side in our life. Here's the thing. I want to encourage you. You don't have to go with the culture. You don't have to go with the ungodly or those who are casting off the restraint. You can make a choice for your life to accept the loving restraints that God gives you so that you might live life really more to the full, which is what Jesus came to do and it's what he taught us that he came to do. So let's take a look at the second half of that verse there, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. So it starts out where there is no vision or no revelation from God, literally no word from God written, recorded, which we have, we're blessed to have it today. Where there is no revelation from God, the people cast off restraint or ultimately they'll perish. But look at the second half, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. Or, and again, when it says he, it's talking about the person. It's not just talking about the gender, it's anyone. Happy is the person who keeps the law. Now, that word happy there, again, in the Hebrew, means blessed. You're going to, because happiness can be fleeting, right? We can be happy one moment, sad the next. But when you're blessed, you have this sense of joy and fulfillment in your life. And what the scripture says is, if you make that choice to keep or guard the revelation of God, the word of God, the vision of God of how he created us and how he wants, if you're willing to guard that and keep it and accept it in your own life, you're going to find a greater joy and peace and blessedness than those who cast it off. Psalm 119, 11 and 12 says this, I've hidden my word, or I've hidden your word, sorry, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord, teach me your decrees. See, we need to have a teachable spirit. We need to be willing, rather than casting off the word of God in our lives and the vision that he has given us, we need to be willing to say, I want to learn this. I need this in my life. I want this in my life. So God, help me to experience that. I'm going to allow you to shine your light on the dark side in my life because I need help with that. And when it says, I've hidden your word in my heart, it doesn't mean like hiding it so nobody else can see it. It means I've taken it in. I'm so serious about this that I'm making it a part of my internal conscience, morality, everything I do so that I can walk according to your vision. I can walk and live according to your word. I can put it into my practice in my life to make a difference for the good of my family and the places where I go and where I live. Teach me your word. This is why this year we've encouraged you to read the New Testament. We've encouraged you, if you'll just read one chapter a day, one chapter a day, it doesn't take that long, you will have read through the entire New Testament by the end of the year. So, and we don't want you to worry about catching up. If you're new here to Porterfield, uh, in January we read Luke, but there's other gospels that we'll be reading the rest of the year. This month, we're focusing on 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. All three of those writings are only seven chapters long. You could read all three of those in a week's time. 
And then after that, the book of Ephesians. It's only got six chapters in it. And that's all we're asking you to do this month, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and Ephesians. And if you'll read that, you'll be right in step with us as we're reading the Word of God. Not every sermon is going to be exactly with those passages, but even today you're going to see some of what we've read uh, beginning this week is going to be used. But when our heart isn't right with God, it can lead us astray. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, it says, the heart is deceitful. And again, that word in the Hebrew, it literally means polluted or crooked. Uh, it's it's kind of rotten. So the heart is corrupted or polluted above all things and beyond cure. Some translations say desperately wicked. Let me give you an explanation too, just real quickly, or a definition of wicked. Sometimes we think of something that is wicked as somebody that just does something so heinous, so terrible. You know, we think of uh, an axe murderer, you know, or somebody that kills somebody in dismember, and we say, man, that is wicked. But the Bible describes a wicked person as anyone who rejects the God who created them and wants to choose another path in life. They're not living a right life. They're living a life of wickedness because they've chosen to wander away from the one who created them. You see, it's all relative to us, isn't it? What may seem wicked to you may not seem wicked to me. But before a holy and righteous God, when we're living not according to his way, that's, he considers that wicked. But he still loves you. That's the amazing thing. This is why Jesus came into the world, to shine his light, not only shine his light in the darkness, but to do something about it, to totally cure that darkness in our heart and in our life. So it says the heart is deceitful or corrupt above all things and beyond cure or desperately wicked. And again, that Hebrew word there literally means woeful or desperately sick. Maybe that's a better way. Our hearts are just desperately sick and we need a cure. And it goes on and it says, who could understand it? And then here's what God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You know, you may think that nobody else knows the dark side that you have, though I'm sure some of you, that are, some of those who are close to you probably see it more than they want to. But God knows your dark side, no matter how well you try to hide it. And the Bible says this in 1 John. So here's one of the scriptures that we read this week if you started reading with us in the 1st of February, just the one chapter. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Why? Because we're living by the dark side. We're saying, I'm not a sinner. It's just this is what everybody's doing. So who are you to say I'm a sinner? I'm not saying it. God says it. Your creator says it, not me, and I'm with you. So it's spoken to me too. I am a sinner. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Here's the key. If we confess our sins, if we will simply humble ourselves and admit that our direction, our way is wrong and that God's ways are right and we're willing to submit to that, yield our life to God, ask for forgiveness, we can have a do-over in Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us. It's a guarantee. 
will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What a beautiful thing. But what do we do? We live by the rotten spot in the apple. We live by the dark side. And so it goes on and it says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. What do you mean, Mark? How, how can we make God out to be a liar? Well, because God in his revelation, his written word, his spoken word has identified you all have a sin problem. You have a dark side. You are sinners. But if you say, well, I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything wrong. Then you're saying to God, you're lying, God. You're not telling the truth because I'm okay. It's you're the one that, that is having the mistake here. You're off base, God. Whether we say it or think it literally, that's what we're doing. And so we're basically calling God a liar because God has said, you all have a dark side, a sin problem. So what he wants us to simply do is to acknowledge that, but then along with acknowledging it, have a sense of humility and repentance, a willingness to say, God, I do need your help here. And this is where Jesus comes in. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. You see, if you will have the revelation of God, the word of God in you, you can't help but eventually be made aware of the dark side. But if you're living in darkness, it's just evidence that his word isn't in you. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Don't live by the dark side. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. This is the most amazing thing. God says, I don't just want you to do a little better, try a little harder. I'm sending the cure for your darkness. And it's through Jesus Christ. And Jesus took on flesh and blood and became a human being, but he didn't have a dark side. He was perfect. He was sinless. In him is light. There's no darkness at all. And as he walked among us and he showed us the power of God, he also showed us the grace of God and the truth of God. It's interesting. I was just at a pastor's meeting, and we were talking about this this past Thursday, and one of the pastors there brought out a wonderful truth. There's this couplet that is always put together in Scripture, grace and truth, grace and truth. It's a divine couplet. Because, see, you can speak the truth, and the truth does hurt, and sometimes the truth offends, but grace is undeserved favor. So you can speak the truth in love and with grace, and you can still reach out with the grace of God even as you're speaking the truth. But those who don't want to hear the truth, they don't like to respond to that very well. But Jesus came to bring us grace and truth. He is the Word made flesh who dwelt among us, and he gave his life, his perfect, sinless, all-light life on the cross of Calvary and took on the darkness, the consequences of the darkness of our sin and all of our wrongdoings. He took it in his body, and he paid the penalty before a holy and righteous judge, God. He paid the penalty for our sins. And then after he died, he rose from the dead three days later, came out of that grave to show, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one could be made right with God but through me. Put your faith in me. God spoke loudly and clearly through Jesus and said, this is the way. And there's only one way. Jesus said, broad is the path that leads to destruction. And many people go on that path. It's an easy path to walk. And narrow is the way 
that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. Will you be one of the ones who choose the narrow way, even when all of the culture is heading on the broad path? In Christ, you can have a do-over. And the Bible goes on in that same passage in 1 John, as it goes in from 1 John chapter 1 to 1 John chapter 2, it says this about Jesus. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died and rose again for the dark side of every single person who has ever been born. Doesn't matter what time you lived on this earth, doesn't matter what country you loved, lived in, doesn't matter the color of your skin, doesn't matter the ethnicity, your race, any of that stuff. He died for all of us. So it is very inclusive. God is very inclusive, but he's exclusive in the way that you get to him, and it's through Jesus. So God is inclusive, but it comes through the exclusive person of Jesus. But anybody can come to him through Jesus, but Jesus is the way. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we, what? Keep his commandments. How can you keep his commandments if you don't even know what they are, if you haven't read the scriptures, if you don't actually know what Jesus teaches? And don't just go by what somebody told you that Jesus said, because there's all kinds of people that'll tell you what Jesus said, and they'll twist it to make it say whatever they want it to say. Read the word of God for yourself, and then you'll be able to tell whether somebody's telling you something that lines up or not. I've said this over and over. I know Pastor Eric feels the same way. Don't just believe something because we've said it. Believe it because you've read the word of God for yourself, and then as we say it, say it and it lines up, then you know it's true. So again, this is not talking about earning our way into salvation or, or trying to just get rid of the dark side by trying to do good things. It's saying that we know that we truly have Christ in our life and we're, we're living by the power of his spirit if we are living our lives according to the teaching of Jesus. We keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. You know, I can say I'm a surgeon. I can say I'm a brain surgeon. <laughs> Anybody want to come to me for surgery? <laughs> I, I assure you, you don't want to. You know, I can say whatever I want, but unless I am putting that into practice and showing the skills of it, I, I'm a deceiver. And so you can say you're a follower of Jesus, or you could say you're a Christian, but are you really? How closely are you walking with the Lord? Are you opening your life to his word? Are you getting his revelation where there is no vision, the people perish, they cast off restraint? Have you done that in your own life even as a claimed believer of Jesus? And this affects all of us. So I'm sharing this with you today as a reminder because we all need to be reminded. We live in a culture that is constantly inundating us with alternate views and everything else, as I said, that causes us to want to cast off restraint, the restraint of God's word in our life. And then we wonder why we're not finding the fulfillment ultimately that we need to find when God has made it clear through his revelation of his word. I've done this before. 
So if you've, if you've done this, you're, you're going to know what I'm about to do. But I just, I kind of have fun doing this. So I want to ask everybody for a moment to close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird to your person sitting next to you or anything. Close your eyes. Hold up your arm up in the air. Come on, just do it. Close your eyes. Some of you are looking around. Close your eyes. Hold your Now I want you to point to the direction of north. Point to the direction of north. All right, everybody point, the direction of north. Okay, keep your arms up, open your eyes, look around. (laughs) This is just so much fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody's hands are everywhere. So so just just so you know, that direction actually is north. So I know some are like, yes, I got it right. (laughs) Okay. But here's the thing, you would not have known that that direction was north sitting in this building with, without any sun shining, all those kind of things that we use as clues. You wouldn't know that way as north unless you had some points of reference, correct? You got to have points of reference to know the right way to go. God has given us his revelation in his word. He has given us points of reference whereby we can guide our way through life and find true north, so to speak, in Jesus Christ. And if we don't do that, then we're going to be like everybody in here. No, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. No, this is the way. No, it's this way. And again, there's one way, and it's through Jesus. You can ask God to shine the light of his word in the dark side of your heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24 says this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive or wicked or hurtful, in other words, way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you can pray that kind of prayer, God sees that. He sees your heart. He knows your weaknesses. And it's why he offers forgiveness and grace So the question is, whose word are you going to live by? John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21 says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. And of course, this is talking about through Jesus. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. It's interesting that still to this very day, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world. There are more people being put to death today simply for believing that Jesus is the Son of God and they want to follow him and they want to make a difference in the people around them and they want others to learn to follow Jesus. And there are many cultures that are shutting that down. And America is right in the midst of it. We're not putting people to death yet, but people are losing their jobs just for simply saying they believe what the Bible says about marriage and about Jesus. So this is real stuff. And you got to make up your mind, are you going to follow the revelation of God's word for your life, or are you going to cast off the restraint and have fun for a while, but ultimately experience the disappointment? Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. 
So I want to close with this scripture, 1 John 1. Again, going back to one of those passages that hopefully you read this week. And if you didn't read it this week, hey, you could start today and you got plenty of time the rest of the month, one chapter a day, 1 John chapter, five, or chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, if we keep walking by the dark side, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And here's the awesome thing, in the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We get a clean slate through the blood of Jesus. We get a do-over. And the beautiful thing is, Jeremiah, who lived at a time in the nation of Israel, a people who should have been following God, and they were casting off restraint, and they were not following God, and they were suffering consequences because they had come up with their own ideas. Time after time, Jeremiah told them, you're heading the wrong direction. This is not good. Uh, this doesn't have a good end for you. And they did end up being in captivity. But here's what Jeremiah said in the midst of all those warnings. If it were not for the Lord's mercies, we would be consumed. But his mercies are new every day. Great is his faithfulness. That's a message still for today. In Christ Jesus, because his mercies are new every day, you can have a do-over beginning this very day, this very moment if you'll simply humble yourself and ask God to forgive you and to shine his light on your dark side. And more than that, come in and help move that dark side away through the power of his Holy Spirit. Would you stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth that you have taught us. Thank you that you've preserved that truth through your written word that we have today. You've given us a revelation so that we won't perish, so that we won't cast off restraint. Forgive us, Lord, when we've done that in our own individual lives. Forgive us, Lord, when we've done that as a nation and as a culture. Help us, Lord, to make the choice, no matter what anybody else does. Lord, this is between you and us individually. Help us to choose you and to choose Jesus. I pray right now for anyone that hasn't opened their life to Jesus that they would just, or if they've prayed in the past and they need to, they've, they've wondered, they've drifted. Help them right now, Lord, to just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Please come into my life. Shine that, shine your light in my darkness. Take that dark side away. Fill me with your presence so that I can begin to live by your vision for my life, your written word, help me to live by your truth, that I can experience true blessedness, and help me to share that with others in Jesus' name.